0: Today's Run NBA show is brought to you by Yahoo Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is coming out of All-Star Weekend Hot. Every day they're running a zero management fee fantasy basketball contest. That means Yahoo is making nothing on this contest and equals better odds for you to win. One in five people who play will at least double their entry fee. Tired of playing against people with 150 entries? Well, there's a limit of 10 entries per person, so don't miss these contests. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to play. Use promo code yahoo25 when you make your first deposit for $25 and free play. Now it's time for the Ringer NBA show. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. My name is Kevin O'Connor and this is the corner three shooting or driving into a long two because today we are without our partner, Jonathan Charks, who's away doing bigger and better things. So that means today it's just me and Ringer associate editor,
1: Danny Chow. Hello. I have absolutely no idea where Sharks is. is. I actually he? didn't ask him. He, <laughs> he, he said he was going to have the day off. I'm like, okay, fine. You, you've you know, fulfilled your tasks for the week. We'll
0: we'll let it be a mystery, and, and our users can just assume or think or imagine up the greatest possibility of where he might be. I
1: mean, to be honest, like, Charks already is one of The Ringer's great mysteries.
0: I remember in our... It came up recently that he was a referee yeah. for, like, kids basketball, like, a couple of years back or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he
1: he was just like, hey, man, He's you like, guys... It's a hard gig. Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. Just... Don't put all the blame on the refs because it's a yes. hard job.
0: Yeah, he was defending the referees. <laughs> Which, you know, it is a hard gig, and we talked about this recently. Um, Yeah, refereeing is not easy. Um, neither is playing basketball. Last night we had a couple of good games in the NBA. We're going to talk about those, and then later we are going to discuss the upcoming month and March Madness. Zion Williamson was back last night. We're going to talk him and a bunch of other prospects as well. But let's start off with the Indiana Pacers and Oklahoma City Thunder. What a game last night, Danny. Yeah. Indiana won 108-106. to 106. They trailed by 11 with 6 minutes and 30 seconds to go until Wes Matthews put the game in the go-ahead West Wes Matthews.
1: With, with 1.8 seconds left, with, uh, left on the clock. What a game. Incredible. There's still a lot of love. Like So Paul George dropped 36 points. Uh, very impressive performance up until you know, the final minute, 30 seconds mm-hmm. or so, where he basically lost the ball like three or four different times, it, it felt like, very in odd. that position. But yeah, there's still a lot of respect out there. Uh, after the game, Thad Young was quoted as saying, you know, Paul George was good when, we, when he left here. That motherfucker is great now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> His words, not mine. Yeah. It was a great quote. Uh, and it, it really shows like both teams kind of made out very, very well in this trade in the trade that, you know, the Paul George trade.
0: For sure. And, you know, that's the weird thing with the Indiana Pacers team. The, the best player they got in that deal, Victor Oladipo, is not there anymore. Right. Um, and yet guys are continuing to excel on this team in a moment where some teams would fold. Um, I thought the defense they played last night um, to close the gap in that game was just absolutely tremendous as it has all season long. Miles Turner going from a shot blocker to, like, a legitimate feared rim protector. Right. A defensive player of the year candidate is something that, has not gotten overlooked this season. We're talking about it. A lot of people are talking about it. But, man, it's been impressive to see the strides he's taken as a young, young center um, taking that leap.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing kind of holding him back uh, in terms of the Defensive Player of the Year consideration. is just like he has to split so many minutes with uh, Sabonis. So you're not really getting to see him play those, like, long, yeah. you know, strenuous games. He's still only playing like 27, 28 minutes exactly. a night.
0: Exactly. That's the difference between those guys that are doing it for that amount of time. Then maybe next year, if he's 32, right. 33 minutes per game, then I think you're talking about him
1: as but, a, a different player like, of the year. it's just like, how do you balance, you know, the minutes? Something has to give with the Pacers, especially if you can't play Sabonis and Turner together, which they haven't been. So, you know... W- which is a good call by exactly. Nick McMillan to do that. Right. You And you have to stagger them because, you know... Sabonis has very clear strengths that he put on full display yesterday. 26 points. Incredible performance.
0: Yeah. He's um, another guy, another sixth man of the year, possibly. Right. A lot of these guys could be, you know, at least not winning the award necessarily, but in contention for the award, most improved player for Sabonis, too.
1: Nate McMillan should definitely be in coach, coach of, of the team. year yep. considerations, yep. Yeah, exactly. too. So the Pacers are, are in line to, you know, get a lot of recognition towards the end of the year, even if they don't win any of these categories. But it's like... Where where are we with these pacers?
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> Bogdanovich put him aside of blossoming into a superstar these past couple <laughs> of weeks. He he has just been absolutely outstanding and more serviceable defensively than I think he would get credit for. Um, that aside, uh well, actually not not aside. That that matters because you know, Bogdanovich has elevated his play, and I think that is giving them a scoring spark. Will it be sustainable in the playoffs? Probably not, mm. but I, I We talked about this before the show. I do think with this team, they, they've become the team that you don't want to face in the postseason because right. of how hard they play and how smart they play as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I think going back to Boyan, do you have his stats? So since
0: the Oladipo injury, uh, Bogdanovich is averaging over 22 points per game with a true shooting percentage over 63. And this is a guy who over the course of his career averaged 13 points. Uh, but he's always been an efficient player. Like he's just always been used off screens and handoffs and you know and plays like that. But he's been running a lot more pick and roll right now. And that's been what's uh been that's been behind the surge for him as a scorer. And honestly, man, like looking forward I'm, in, I'm impressed by him, and I think a lot of this is sustainable for him mm. over the regular season. It's really a matter of in the postseason when he's facing the best defender on the opponent. Right. Can he do that every position? Probably not. Like, he's going to need to defer a little bit more, which is okay because he can do that too. Uh, but with him, I mean, like, he, he's going to be costly this summer for Indiana as an unrestricted free agent. He's like, played himself in that Tobias Harris right. territory, and if not that, pretty close with the way he's
1: played. I mean, it, it's it's funny that you know the the Wizards gave up a first round pick for half a season, less than half a season of his services. What, like two three years yeah. ago? <laughs> they and saw now this coming. They, they knew saw was coming. coming exactly. Don't
0: blame the Wizards for an office. They're actually really really good.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it, I when I see him kind of blossom in this way, you know, him becoming this kind of primary primary de facto de facto primary player. Uh, it kind of goes back to a piece that Sharks wrote a couple weeks ago, which we talked about the last time. It was just, you know, <laughs> yes, the long two. Yes,
0: that's, that's uh, good.
1: Yeah, so he uh, he wrote a piece on Josh Richardson and how Josh Richardson yeah. has kind of elevated his play because of the ways in which the NBA has trended. And so basically there's a lot more space now and there's a lot more kind of latitude for teams to give, you know, these players who in any other... Basically, era of NBA history probably would not have been given the opportunities to become a lead playmaker. You give him that opportunity as a three-point shooter and suddenly things are going to blossom. Like you're looking at Bojan right now and it's like, it's basically like if the Bucs asked Malcolm Brogdon to become (laughs) James Harden. And it actually worked. Like, that's kind of how I see Boyan's role right now. Yeah. He's like this role player who's become, you know, a lot more.
0: If you're able to shoot and if you're able to handle at an above average to good or great level, you're going to get an opportunity at some point or another um, to make plays for yourself or for others. And for him, like, the Oladipo injury just opened the door to do more. Like, he's still running off screens and handoffs just as much as he did before. He's just running more pick and roll. It's just like a heavier dose of what we've seen of him for. Two years now. I yeah. mean, he's always he's been efficient for quite some time. Uh, it, it's been impressive to see him
1: take that leap. At, now, now the scorer. thing is, for the playoffs, I'm going to put on my Charks helmet right now. What if he averaged ten threes in the playoffs? How uh, does that change things? I mean, I mean, I'm always
0: a fan of <laughs> always a fan of more three pointers.
1: Like, I think he's taking about like five right so now.
0: Guys, yeah. Uh he, he he's somebody who can take more.
1: Let's let's ramp it up.
0: One of the things Indiana did today, Danny, or last night, Danny was. Um, they ran a lot of pick and roll down the stretch at Stephen Adams. And this is a guy in the past that I don't think you would actually be wanting to do that. Um, but this season, Steven Adams has not been quite the same in the defensive end of the floor. And they had some major communication issues on that end. Or sometimes talent issues as well. Russell Westbrook fell asleep on a play that led to a Wesley right. Matthews three. There was one play that stuck out in particular where Miles Turner screened Paul George at around the three-minute mark. George got hit on his left shoulder and just stopped on the play he looked hurt and then Miles Turner got a dunk that gave Indiana the lead with 3 minutes to go. I don't know man like two things there. Paul George to me clearly isn't fully healthy. Um he's scoring the ball well the last two games after struggling after initially returning. Um but also Steven Adams just has not been the same player and I wonder if you're OKC in the Western Conference playoffs is he going to continue to be a liability, or maybe not a quote-unquote liability, save that term for Enos Kanter, but a guy that you're going to attack? I am a lot less confident in this OKC team now um, as the season has developed than I was just a couple months ago.
1: Right, yeah, and you're looking at a team that's built that was basically all season built on defense, Mm -hmm. and their two best defensive players have not looked right in the past 15 or so games. When you have, you know, a rim protector like Adams, you know, you kind of need the perimeter guys to kind of, you know, make up for a little bit of the slack to which to is less where Paul is
0: George was in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation right. with his just stellar defense,
1: right? And but especially when you know he's still kind of recovering from that shoulder, that shoulder issue, right, man. He's not. Um, he's not
0: all the way back.
1: You know, you can't necessarily ask him to be a full-time two-way player every time down the floor and especially with the Thunder's offensive woes where they can't really get that much balance out of their lineups I mean that's obviously where he's going to be putting all of his you know time and attention
0: it, it, Zach Cram wrote about that this week about the the, the one weaknesses for every NBA yeah. finals contender and the one he mentioned for Oklahoma City was a lack of depth right. as you just mentioned with their you know lack of depth exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think with this OKC team Paul George, like he's their best player, and he he needs to be one hundred percent for them to have any shot at winning. Maybe just a round, because right now they have lost five of their last. They have won only five of their last thirteen games. They're up only three games in the Clippers, currently the eight seed. Up only two and a half on the Jazz and Spurs, the six and seven seed. They have the fourth toughest schedule the rest of the season. This team could continue to slide, and then we're gonna see them in a first round series maybe against Golden State, who they face on Saturday night, against Houston, maybe. Yeah. Uh, even against Denver would be really tough.
1: This is this is wild. It it really just feels like yesterday where the Thunder looked like they locked up the third seed. Yeah. And maybe been pushing for the two. Right. No, exactly. And yet at the same time, this could very well be going into you know, it, it could be working for the NBA's favor because you're you're gonna get some mm. sort of marquee matchup oh, yeah. in the first round. I'm totally totally looking forward to a Rockets Thunder series. We're, I mean, we're, there's so many narratives. Oh, uh,
0: that would be that'd be wonderful. Especially like we mentioned, the pick and roll, yeah. James James Harden, Chris Paul going at Stephen Adams every possession. Be tough. Be tough. Whereas Indiana, they are continuing to <laughs> hold on to a home court spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Wow. They currently are, are a half game up over the Sixers um, in the three spot. I'm I'm blown away by that team. Um, that leads us to the NBA watch of the night. Tonight we have the Milwaukee Bucks, one team that does have their playoff spot all Locked wrapped up. up. And then one team that does not, the Miami Heat. This game's on NBA TV at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. The Heat need to win, Danny. They're up only a game and a half on the Orlando Magic, uh, and this will not be an easy one against the Milwaukee
1: Bucks. Yeah, this could be a first-round preview. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Bucks, Heat. What are we looking at? A sweep there?
0: Uh, probably <laughs> a sweep. And, and maybe also a win tonight from Milwaukee. What, is, what does Miami need to not only have a chance tonight, but a chance at winning a first-round playoff series? Is there any hope for them?
1: I mean, the thing with the, the Heat is that they just have a lot of okay players who are just kind of like all kind of clustered in this morass and you're asking for at least one of those guys to kind of climb out and, and save them because it's, it's not going to be Dwayne Wade he's questionable for tonight uh, with I believe an elbow thing who knows it's Load probably management. old yeah old age <laughs> um, you know obviously Charks wrote this piece on Josh Richardson a, a few weeks ago like he probably has the highest star potential because of his ability to hit you know shots off the yeah. dribble but he's also not a very high usage guy and he's never been a high-usage guy. So it, it's kind of like this weird, okay, my turn, your turn sort of situation with him, Justice Winslow, and Dion Waiters. They're bringing Dragic off the bench. But, like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team.
0: I think you pretty much just summarize it entirely, Danny. They are a team with a lot of nice players, no great players. That's it, and that's why they probably don't have much of a shot in the playoffs, which is unfortunate, um, but they are a team that they will always be a free agent destination, and they could add one of those guys in the future. <laughs> and That's all we have to say about that. <laughs> if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable or satellite provider. Also, last night, Danny, we had just an absolutely wonderful, beautiful, outstanding, thrilling game between the Denver Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks. Amazing. A game with no stakes. Yes, they have lost a million games in a row, uh, the Dallas (laughs) Mavericks. And yet, in the final minute, Luka Doncic had one of the dunks of the season to give Dallas the lead, and then Nikola Jokic... It's this off balance, weird little Ugly shot ass shot that just had Luca looking like he had tears in his eyes.
1: Yeah, I, I was wondering if that was just he was bowled over in emotion because he lost, or was it just because he was exhausted as hell?
0: I'm thinking he was exhausted. Luca does not look. Entirely there right now. And, and it's understandable. Right now, he has played 2,031 minutes and 63 games, a heavier workload than ever before. Just to put that into perspective, last season for Real Madrid, he had 1,835 minutes and 73 games. The season before that was 1,613 minutes and 80 games for Real Madrid. He's playing more than ever. He is having a heavier workload than ever. There's just, and he just looks tired over the last, over the seven game losing streak. He's shooting 23% from three, 55% from the free throw line, including a critical miss last night with a 47 true shooting percentage compared to 34% from three with a 70% free throw percentage in the 64 games prior. I think for Luca, like heading into the summer, this is a reminder, like, okay, time to get an elite NBA level conditioning. Like, what What he's done this season will not fly for him in March, April, into maybe May at some point for Dallas. He needs to get into better conditioning.
1: Yeah, I think for the most of the season, you know, it, it was kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of cruising by. You know, I'm doing very well. Oh, the NBA is a lot easier to score than Europe. <laughs> you know, he, he said all of these yeah. things. Um, and I'm sure, you know, he's he's been partying. He's been enjoying himself. He's been enjoying the food out in America, enjoying barbecue but yeah, I think these last few weeks will kind of tell us, you know, how committed he will be in the off season to improving his body. That, that, I mean, that's really the next frontier for him, right? Like for if, sure. If he
0: The skills are all there.
1: Yeah. They're all there and they can only kind of be, you know, amplified by him turning himself into, you know, you know, if, if he ends up having one of those Depot like, oil, you know, photo shoots where he's just showing off his abs, that's when we know we're in for, like, you know, an MVP caliber season.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: That would be amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, like, MVP odds would rise immediately <laughs> if we see Luka yeah. Doncic oiled up looking ripped over the course of the summer on Instagram.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Cut out, cut out the nachos. It's not that hard. Yeah. Trust me.
0: It's really not. Di- dieting is something. It's a habit more than anything else. Um, it, it's hard to break habits, but building new ones. Um, it's hard to break those as well. Hopefully, Luca can do that. I over mean, the course you know, you know who
1: else who can probably go on a diet? Nikola Jokic.
0: Nikolo, he had another guy who Malone said after the uh, Michael Malone said after the game, Nikola Jokic was tired. Mm-hmm. Um, still looked like an MVP candidate overall, playmaking, rebounding, but. He had one of those weird games where he just did not want to score, did not look to score until six minutes, 30 seconds left to end the game. He scored his first points, scored his final 11 points over the final half of the the fourth quarter. Like, he can get buckets when he wants to, as we saw in the final seconds. Yeah. Um, But it's weird. It's just weird sometimes how he does that.
1: I mean... what do you make of that? I feel like it's always kind of been that way to start the season for him. Like, he's always the kind of guy who wants to get everyone else involved, obviously. But... Over the past two seasons, I I distinctly remember these lulls where he's just like scoring like six points a night, and you're just like, "Yo, you're our best player. What are you doing?" Um, but yeah, like especially with him being tired, I feel like that's kind of the big question, right, going into the playoffs. Uh, I I've always kind of marveled at Jokic being able to do things in spite of himself. Like I was I was always in the hot take zone of, like, Jokic should always be fat because, like, it. the reason why he's impressive is because he's fat. But now I'm thinking, like, that was before, that was cute, you know, when they weren't making the playoffs. But now, you know, they have serious expectations as a number two seed.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how he responds in the postseason, how he... I mean, look, there's no doubt he's an, a regular season MVP candidate, but there's a difference in translating that to the postseason. And for me... That's what I'm most looking forward to this, with this Denver team. Obviously, there's an outside chance that they can make a finals run if Golden State gets knocked off or Golden State suffers one injury or Golden State's just chemistry combusts and that team becomes vulnerable. Um, but how Jokic scores in the postseason um, with his athletic limitations uh, How he's utilized, I want to see like if they ramp up his usage more as a playmaker, even more so than he already is. Uh, I'm just gonna be like this team has trimmed their rotation to seven or eight guys after benching Isaiah Thomas. Um, It looked like a playoff lineup last night. They played uh, eight guys primarily, and then ninth Hernan Gomez played only six minutes. It looked like they're prepping for the postseason with their rotation, Um, except they only played Barton and Harris for 27 minutes, but. I wonder how does Jokic's role change? How can he play with more minutes? Does he Is he able to sustain his energy? You mentioned Miles right. Turner earlier playing only 28. Jokic is at 31. Mm-hmm. H- how does he perform at 35, 36, 37 minutes per
1: game? Yeah, stamina is always going to be an issue with him, especially when teams start targeting him in matchups. and Pick and roll. You know, and all pick that, and yeah. rolls. <clears throat> you, you go to much smaller, much more athletic lineups. How does he hold up as an anchor? It'll be interesting. Oh, by, by the way, I, I, I
0: can't forget about this. I got, I got tagged in a Reddit post earlier, earlier this week um, by Ghost Tricks on, on, on Reddit. And he said, make it happen, please. And what he was referring to was, was a new nickname suggestion for Nikola Jokic. Because earlier this season, he was asked, who does he want to be for the rest of the season? He just said Michael Jordan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And <laughs> someone called Lady Gurning Soul came up with the nickname His Groundness what do you think that's pretty good yeah it's good I that's it's pretty good. good his groundness that's for uh i plays into the fact that he does not jump more than uh inch off the ground
1: yeah thanks for explaining put, put, the put, joke put, put, I, i'm see. just saying i'm just saying it it, it also hits
0: what exactly what Jokic demanded to be you know michael jordan for the rest of the season that's clever i that's I, I like great. i like it more than joker uh i think really? how about I, big honey I'm not, oh, I'm not a fan of Big Honey. I
1: love Big Honey. I do like Big. I Why? love Big what Honey. Do you, what do you like about Big Honey? I, I just uh. because he's big and he's pudgy. <laughs> like it's 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 funny. Big Honey works. I I don't know. But Joker is.
0: I mean, besides the fact his name is pronounced Jokic, but yeah, Joker Joker. It's also
1: you know it's. He's a funny guy. It's Djokovic's though. nickname too. You you gotta you oh. gotta give it to give seat it mm. to one of the best tennis players of all time. Nah, yeah, that that's fair. That's very fair. I, I His groundness quite good. I, I Props. I,
0: <laughs> it's it's good. I'm not sure it's gonna catch. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a good nickname for I think NBA nerds like us to occasionally throw out there when he has plays like he did last night, where he just
1: barely jumped off the ground. His groundness. I, like I mean it. snail mail also. Snailmail, great band. Great band. Really a great band. But if you're if you're talking about uh you know having a nickname that is truly suited for him, slow as hell delivers things. Boom. Snail mail. I, mm. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Did we just find a good nickname here? Did we? Reddit, uh, you can grade. But if you do grade, uh please grade on a curve.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on Twitter to a poll. So like go to my maybe we'll do it like at Ringer NBA or my thing at Kevin O'Connor NBA or at Danny Chow. Don't don't uh, don't, don't, don't do it on my don't, okay. don't at um, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're gonna put up a poll of some Nikola Jokic nicknames to find out which one people like the most. That's all. But that, that's a good one, Danny. Uh. That that's a that's a contender, stale mail. Very good. One guy who can jump was back last night. Zion Williamson had twenty nine points. 13 of 13 from the floor, only two of nine from the line, but that's okay. He also had 14 rebounds, five steals, two assists, one block. And we're going to talk about some other guys that we haven't discussed before, but we have to start with Zion Williamson because that was an unbelievable game last night, Danny. He was in just absolute control from the opening tip.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the five steals really show it. Like, he's just, he's everywhere. He's absolutely everywhere. And how do you, how do you, how do you, Shoot thirteen for thirteen in a tournament game. like know. that's that's wild,
0: and like that that's the thing with him. I, I feel like you know, again, we've talked about him before, and we're going to continue to talk about talk about him. but like it's not just the dunks. like this guy has really good feel for the game and just command of the game. And as a teenager, i I get excited to thinking about what does that develop into? you know, five years from now, ten years from now, as his ball handling continues improving, as he improves on his right hand, and and just as his awareness on the floor continues to improve as he gains experience, I don't know, man. Like, this guy, he, he... you know, it's not, a, it's not an exaggeration to say there's a chance he could be the best player in the league. No, uh, not, not, at not, all. not at all. No, I mean, I, like, there's weaknesses that need to be improved on, like any other player. Mention his offhand, his, you know, the, his discipline on defense. But, like, these are such little things. And I think the indicators of his just control and awareness on the offensive end, they, they bode so well for him.
1: Yeah, so just to put this in perspective, when he was 15, he was a 6'3", 185-pound guard. In three years since. Which is since, really
0: hard to yeah, believe.
1: <laughs> he put on, he tacked on 100 pounds of muscle and or fat, depending on where you you are on that <laughs> you know, just, truth or theory. He's just thick. Yeah. So, like, this guy went through an incredible transformation. And when, I and I wrote about this uh, for our year-end package uh, oh, that was, to, to end 2018. One of my favorite articles of it, the year. It's It was basically the idea that, look, there was a point in time in which he was basically a normal NBA athlete. He was very athletic, but He didn't have that pop. And he had talked about how during that stretch of his life, he was basically like 15, his knees hurt really badly because of growing pains. Not because of any injuries, but because of growing pains. Hope not. And then, (laughs) oh yeah. And then the growing pains stopped. And suddenly he was just like, I was way bigger, way faster. (laughs) I could jump higher than everyone. It was basically like I had developed superpowers. And so that's basically what we're seeing. And we're just seeing him refine... And him getting accustomed and, and more familiar with his superpowers, it's a beautiful thing to watch.
0: It, it is. Uh, Jim Beheim ben- had a quote last night that hits almost exactly what you're saying, Danny. He he said, "I've been in this game over 50 years. I've seen a lot of great players. I'm not going to say he's better than them, but he's a different player. There's no one really like him, and it's true. I, and like I hate invoking the name LeBron, but besides LeBron or you know guys like that, it, it's hard to find guys that." He reminds you of, like, he's different than Blake Griffin. He's different than Charles Barkley, other guys that he gets compared to. Um, He's different than LeBron James, for that matter. Uh, He's just a very unusual player that we haven't seen before that just has, has, you know, he resembles so many different types of guys depending on how he's used. Want to use him like Draymond Green? Maybe he develops his discipline on defense and his awareness and becomes a guy that can literally switch against any player in the league with his not only like ver- lateral quickness and verticality and strength, but like he plays hard, man. And right. and that's that's what makes Draymond special. Um, it's one of the things that makes Draymond special. The other thing uh is just his natural length, and the other part is the fact that he is just a computer on the defensive end. That's the part Zion needs to develop. Um, but like there's that lane for him. There's the lane for him to be a DeAndre Jordan rim-running dunker. There's a the lane for him to be a Blake Griffin style, you know, pick and roll playmaker. And the, there's so much, so many different ways he can play for you.
1: The, the weird thing is, he's so athletic and he's so gifted that these lanes that you're talking about can all kind of merge into one. Mm-hmm. He can be all of those things at once, and it, it kind of reminds me of like like a, a person who's just like really like into different kinds of music, like is really like eclectic <laughs> with his taste. He's kind of a product of you know being able to watch all these guys on YouTube and being able to see all these all these highlights and being able to just grab whatever you know he wants out of these guys because he has the athletic you know ability to like he's he's just a perfect vessel for like literally any type of player you'd want to watch in the NBA it's just like it's it's honestly mind blowing
0: the the first band that comes to mind for me is tame impala mm-hmm. uh kevin parker uh, his first two albums inner speaker and lonerism were more psychedelic rock based um, but then Currents came out, and it has all those same rock elements integrating tones tones that you would hear in R&B. Um, it's just a, a blend of everything. Is there any that comes to mind for you? Who Who is music's Zion Williamson in the eyes of Danny Chow? The I, ears
1: of Danny Chow. I can't really come up with one, just because, like, especially, like, when you're talking about someone who's, like, a true prodigy, like, Zion is, is young. And I think one of the things that we talk about, like, with Blake Griffin, the player he is now is nowhere near or is nowhere close to, you know, the player he was at Oklahoma, where he was basically, all, all he did was dunk and, and hit his head on the on the side of the backboard. Like, <laughs> like, Blake was a fantastic athlete, but he definitely didn't have all the skills he had uh, he has now. Whereas Zion kind of has the nascent skills in all of these different facets already, like packaged. And now it's, it's more about refinement. That's crazy.
0: NBA fans who pay literally zero attention to college basketball, who don't watch House of Highlights or anything like that, are in for a just massive and beautiful surprise. Basically my brother.
1: Like, I've asked him, like, have you seen any highlights of Zion? He's like, I've heard so much about him. I haven't seen a single, single clip. The only thing he's seen... That's really hard to believe. The, yeah. My, my brother is about eight years older than me. Yeah. He's, he's a dad. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he, got he's got better things to do. He's got yeah, other yeah, things yeah. to worry about. Yeah. The only thing I've shown him is uh, how he ripped through a shoe. Okay. So that's all he knows about <laughs> Zion. <Zaya. laughs>
0: you know, that, that's a good little tease to show. Like, this guy is so explosive. Yeah. He broke a shoe. One guy that... Let's go through this like this, Danny. The prospect... That, Zion Williamson is the prospect everyone is watching... We're gonna do the prospects. I'm watching than the prospect you're watching. The prospect that I'm watching is Matisse Thibel. Yeah. He is a six foot five wing senior at Washington, and he is somebody who projects as one of the better defenders in the NBA. Um, but what he's doing right now is just yeah, at the on college level. level. Yeah, at yeah. the college level, he playing within Washington's zone. To be clear, he is allowed to do something that's really unusual. He just roams kind of like a free safety um, on the field on, on the on, on a football field, but he's doing it on a basketball court, and he is gonna break the record for most steals by Gary Payton. But what he's doing now with blocks and steals exceeds any college basketball player ever, ever. Um, so Thibel is averaging right now three point six steals per game and 2.3 blocks per game. And this is, you know... Keep in mind,
1: he's 6'5". Yes,
0: 6'5". And this is inflated by the zone and his ability to roam. But the thing is with him is... Usually, I think it's hard to read guys in zone, but I think he shows just the immense... Just vision and instincts to just jump passing lanes. He had a moment at the end of the game like at the end of the game last night where he jumped a passing lane on a standard pass and then dunked it to seal the game for Washington. Uh, win over USC. I think he can be a guy who is just a, a ferocious off-ball defender who's always locked in, who is constantly a threat to cause deflections or just get in passing lanes and and just take away a play that a team wants to to, to use. But then on ball as well. He has the strength and lateral quickness to be a great, versatile on-ball defender. He, right now, he's like an early second-round pick, late first-round pick. I think this coming month, I would like to see a little bit more aggression from him on offense to see if there's more to his game to push him up into right. that lottery, unless he's going to be there
1: already because of his defense. Yeah, I, I wonder about him. Uh, one thing, he, he's pretty conservative in terms of just manufacturing basically anything on offense Mm -hmm. for himself. He kind of seems very content to be this kind of role player. Um, And, you know, Danny Green definitely comes to mind. Uh, He certainly makes plays that make me think of Kawhi. And you're just like kind of combining like Danny Green's build with kind of Kawhi's almost like supernatural instincts. And you have yourself a ready-made built-in 3 and D player who's like locked and loaded, going to be, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. It's like it's like the only adjustment for him is going to be like breaking his old habits um, of just playing zone and being able to run around the floor and do whatever right. he wants to do. Um, but like he does that, it's not like he fouls. He rarely ever commits silly fouls or makes you know dumb mistakes on the floor. Uh, I don't think it will be as hard of an adjustment as as maybe you know we imagine it will be because of his work ethic, um, because of his, his character. I've um, talked to a handful of people about him. He seemed to check all the boxes as a person. Um, with Thibel, you mentioned his conservativeness on the offensive end of the floor. Like he is so differential, man. Uh I I wonder with him, is there more to his game that he just has not been empowered to use or that he does not even maybe even see in himself? Mm-hmm. Uh you know what? It doesn't matter because it's okay. Like if he's just a, a really good defender who stands in the corner and shoots threes for you. Uh, there does, you know, I was reading online. There's like concerns about his jumper. Like he shot 36 and percent on spot up threes over his four years at Washington. He's not a great shooter by any means, but it's not like he's Andre Robertson up there. He's right. not even Tony Allen for that matter. He's gonna be a guy who can hit an open shot for you. And I, I think with his smooth shooting form, he's gonna be able to extend that to NBA range. I, I like you said, he is locked in, ready to go as a three. Andy guy, and to me, I'm not sure if I'm going to end up having him ranked in the lottery, um, but I might, uh, especially if pre-draft workouts he continues making progress um, on the offensive end of the floor. Because what we've seen right now is a guy who can be a great defender and at least, at least, can just spot up for
1: you on offense and then attack closeouts. I mean, really, if you're thinking about this draft and everyone's talking about how top-heavy it is, what we've just described is a perfect role player, mm-hmm. a- and if you're down in the mid first round, late first round, isn't that exactly what you're looking for? Like at a certain point, you're not trying to swing for the fences for a star. You're trying to build build up your your actual foundation, right? Yeah. And so Thibault makes complete sense to me as a guy who can you can slot in and he already projects right now to be an excellent NBA defender in my opinion.
0: There's a lot of guys like that, Danny, um including the guy that
1: you have on your list that you're looking forward to watching oh, this yeah. month, so Brandon Clark is my guy. I I am so excited to see him play in the tournament. I think you know outside of Zion, you're looking at maybe the second most impressive college basketball player of the year. Uh, I mean his his numbers have been really good, and the thing is, he's not even the most popular player on his own team. Rui Hachimura mm-hmm. has kind of taken all of the star power, and and you know rightfully so, he's he's a great great player, but Brandon Clark, let's just run through his numbers right now. 16 and a half points a game, 8.4 rebounds per game, uh, 1.8 assists, 1.2 steals, three blocks per game. This guy is 6'8, 215. He's built like a prototypical three. He's basically built like Trevor Ariza. And yet, this guy is essentially, he can defend one through five um, and kind of shows off this almost Pascal Siakami game. He plays. Hard yes. man, like running the floor. Um, not like not
0: quite <laughs> like Siakam, he's a, he's in a different level, but the, the tier below that for right. sure.
1: I think one thing that separates him and Siakam Siakam's definitely end to end speed is just there is no one in the NBA who's mm-hmm. who can match him at the front court positions. Where Brandon Clark really impresses me, uh, really impresses me is his explosiveness. Like, he will just kind of glide in from anywhere and seemingly block your shot. Like, we, we've talked about Zaire Smith last year, about how he was able to make some just ridiculous defensive plays because of his athleticism. Brandon Clark, a few inches taller, you know, a few pounds stronger, can do that as well. And it's, he's one of the few players who really makes defense really fun to watch.
0: I wish he were a little bit taller. Yeah, because you know, his game is is best suited to be a center. Um, his jump shot is developing. It, he he totally overhauled his his mechanics from when he played um, at San Jose State to where he is now. His free throw percentage has improved as well. Sixty nine percent over the season, been better since December, as we talked about yesterday. Danny, um, we, were, we were going through his scouting report um, for the draft guide coming out next week, and you know Clark, his progress as a jump shooter is at least, I think, in a free throw shooter, is at least encouraging yeah. that he can someday become a competent outside shooter. Look, like the percentages aren't great, only 29% from three, but I think with his solid form, the touch inside on floaters with either hand, fadeaways, and the free throw line improvements, I think he can at least become a solid shooter for you who's maybe like a a Aaron Gordon level
1: shooter something like that I mean he's that's, that's fine he's shooting 70% from the field <laughs> yeah. this season that's wild like he's he's an incredible he, finisher he has as many blocked blocks as missed shots the broadcast mentioned that the other night just oh, that's outrageous that's dude. outrageous and look in any other era I don't think we would have known what to make of this guy 6'8 215 oh but you're gonna play him as a center how the hell do you do that He's kind of, in terms of size, he's kind of closer to Sean Marion and Gerald Wallace than he is Pascal Siakam, <laughs> who has about an inch and maybe like 10, 15 pounds on him. But I think, you know, in this day and age where you need a guy who can basically switch every single position, the guy's a phenomenal perimeter defender. Not He's not just a weak side shot blocker. You know, he, he can guard all those positions. You're really only... My biggest concern for him going forward is just, oh, he's not going to be able to guard and Who's going to be able to guard and yeah. any anyway? Mm-hmm. You know? So I I look at him and I'm I'm having a really hard time not putting him in my top seven. Ooh, that's interesting. I, I hmm. think his his defensive hmm. versatility is yeah. off the charts. And I I like this this is kind of my my <laughs> my skew um with draft prospects. I tend to favor Role players more than more than star power, which is has burned me many times. It can get you into trouble. Yeah, I'm really really impressed by Clark, and I'm dying to see how he looks in the tournament. You
0: know, I think with both these guys that we're mentioning, Thibel and Clark, they both are going to be 23 year old rookies. Yeah, um, they're 22 right now; they'll be 23 before the NBA regular season begins. There's obviously a disadvantage in drafting an older player because. More often than not, not always, but more often than not, they don't approve at the level that an 18- or 19-year-old player does who's you know at some point going to be out of high school or right now is a freshman out of college. But there is a financial advantage to drafting these players because you are having somebody who is ready to help your team on a rookie contract. And there's still an outside chance that one of those guys develops into something more. We have seen older players get better. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, like those are just the Pascal first, Siakam. Pascal Siakam. Yeah. These are just the first couple of guys that come to mind. There are many more. Um, and with Thibault, it's like, oh, what if his ball handling does finally get better when he's when like he's a good student as well when he's not focusing on classes and he's doing nothing but training for the NBA? What happens when 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 Clark gets into the gym and he's able to just put up 3 pointers a day? Right. What hap- what what happens for these guys? We're not saying they're going to be stars necessarily. But there's still a lane for these players who have gotten better every year in college to continue getting better in the NBA. Uh, I wouldn't feel bad about having either of those guys running the lottery. And I think I might end up having both in the
1: lottery as well. They're impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And with the way the league is going and the way that defense has kind of become this kind of amorphous thing, you kind of want these guys who you can just kind of lock in and be like, okay, I trust them on my team full of veterans. And By the way, both high-character guys as
0: well yeah. who are going to accept the roles and do what the coach needs them to do. Let's do, let's have some quick-hit thoughts um, on whether it's NBA thoughts, college basketball thoughts. Um, I'll start off. Uh, John ja Morant, Murray State, is going to make the tournament. Uh, he yes. he's, might be the, the, the sec- second or third best prospect in the draft. I have no additional thoughts from when we talked about him the other week uh, except to say... I'm just excited to see him against better competition. Uh, just to strengthen the evaluation, because obviously at Murray State, they are not facing uh, they're not facing the Dukes of the world, they're not facing the, the, even the Wisconsins of the world. Hey, for man that Belmont yes. Belmont's pretty pretty Be, good. Belmont is pretty good. but but I just hope I hope we get to see him in a really good matchup for NBA scouting purposes because he does have some flaws in his game. Uh, like the dump shot being one of them, he needs to just change his shooting mechanics. That's not something that's going to happen during a tournament. But even just things like his decision-making against pressure, Pressure, uh, I want to see how he handles that. What happens when teams are forcing him to his right hand, which he is not good with? By the way, as mentioned the other week, it is his primary shooting hand, but he is not comfortable with his right hand around the rim, uh, not as comfortable. He does rarely ever drives to his right either for that matter. Kevin has um,
1: found a new I, pet project. I, I'm just saying. That's all.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he should not switch shooting hands because he's a solid shooter. He's like 80-plus percent for the free-throw line. Right. Um, I'm just saying. I, I look forward to seeing how he reacts to that pressure against better defenses. How about you, Danny?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who is Shay Gilligis alexander uh Shay Gilgis Alexander's cousin, uh, so he's that's basically good. You
0: should get a bunch of Alexander. Oh things, man, yeah,
1: yeah, it's 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 gonna be a chore one day with all these hyph- hyphenated yeah. names, man. They're they real long. Um, remember
0: Ben Jarvis Green Ellis on the Patriots? <laughs> that's always one of my favorite sports names. Just a great great name.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. 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 What well, what was his nickname? The law firm. Yeah, law yeah. firm. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Nikhil Alexander Walker, 6'5" combo guard out of Virginia Tech, 6'5", 205. Um, he's kind of changed his role completely in the second year of, of his college campaign. His first year, he was basically a spot-up three-point shooter. This year, he's basically run the team. He's increased his you know points per game average by about six points. But the thing is his efficiency has skyrocketed as well. Like, he's gotten better as a three-point shooter. He's taking more of them. His field goal percentage has skyrocketed. This guy is basically exactly what you'd want out of, you know, a secondary facilitator, tertiary facilitator. He can hit the three. Like, and he's huge. He has long arms. You worry about his defensive capabilities. We we were talking about Thibault playing in a zone. Virginia Tech plays in a zone as well. Um, It's not, he's not quite as apparent and he, he is not allowed uh, as to do a, the things
0: that Thibault is. Yeah. yeah,
1: and he's not necessarily the kind of athlete that can kind of transcend a system. Um, but he's made plays. He's made plays on defense. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing more of that in the tournament going forward. Yeah. Uh, is he a lottery pick in your eyes as well? Or, he's on the fringe. Yeah. I, think, I think with a good showing and look... With a good shooting performance at the Combine, anything can happen. I think he's right on the fringe there. I personally, I would have him in the low lottery. I think Charks does as well. Um, you know, having a six five guard who has long arms and can, uh, can project to defend multiple positions while shooting threes at a high percentage in different types of looks, that's insanely valuable. Last player
0: I'm looking forward to watching uh, for purposes of our discussion is Bruno Fernando. A big man from Maryland, sophomore. He, I believe, he uh, explored entering the draft last year, yep. but ended up not staying in. Uh, Fernando has made immense progress as a just an overall player. L- last year, there was questions about his effort on the defensive end of the floor, and there still are those questions. Um, but he's been better overall. I- I'm just curious to see how he he brings in intensity. In the tournament, uh, because there's still no questions about his offense. He can rim run. He's an explosive athlete around the rim who can finish with either hand with touch as well. He's developed his shot, too. Uh, From outside, he looks pretty good. Uh, Pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed by him as an overall player. I just want to see that intense defense
1: just locking down the paint for Maryland. So he fits one of my favorite prototypes, which is... This is honestly not a prototype. It's just something that I I have a strong fascination with. He's a center who shoots free throw as well. I love that. So he's a career fifth like 75.6% free throw shooter. He's shooting almost 77% this year. Give me a free, give me a center who can hit free throws cuz if you're going to get fouled, come on, you can't leave points on the board like that. So uh, this is like this is why I've actually, like, loved Jonas Valanciunas in the past just because he's, like, a 75% free throw shooter. You're, you're, you can feel safe with him on the free throw line. <laughs> I, it, it's an irrational thing, but I'm just like, look, I don't, want, I don't want a center who can't shoot free throws.
0: Do you know the real reason why I brought up Fernando? Danny, I, I, do you I want think, to know I, think why? I think I do. It's cause I, where does he go to school? He goes to school. Maryland. 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 Yep. And who, who is the most famous graduate of Maryland? Uh, Steve Francis. Larry David uh, is another one as uh, okay. well. Yeah. According to Google, I just yeah. googled that now. I did not know that. It's yeah, on my fair. head, but there
1: is a very famous. Yeah, I, I one think I know heart. where you're, you're going. Yes, you're going here. Uh, Heard her, yeah. she wrote. Heard her, she wrote. So my guy was a plus thirty-five. Whoa! In t- in just under twenty-seven minutes on is that Wednesday, real? plus thirty-five. He was a plus thirty-five. He played twenty-six <laughs> minutes and fifty-six seconds plus against the Grizzlies. <laughs> I'm looking this up. Yep. No, I'm I'm, I'm honestly not joking. <laughs> Uh, he's been on fire the past two games. 21 and a half points a game on 60-60-100 mm. splits. He's shooting 60% from the field, 60% from three, and he's made all his free throws. Four, Like four and a half rebounds per game, three and a half assists per game. Look, Trey Young is going to be getting, in, getting a lot of Rookie of the Year votes, but Herter is really, really important to this Atlanta, you know, future.
0: You know, I think the f- the fun thing about this Atlanta team and I think we talked about this maybe last year around the draft time. Um, Young and Herter can both play on ball or off ball. Yeah. They have a lot of versatility in their backcourt. Uh and obviously with the progress John Collins has made in the front court with his ability to space from 3 in addition to being a rim runner, right now they could find that missing piece in the draft depending on that where pick lands. I Zion would be great for that team, <laughs> wouldn't so he? So good. For I mean, them. he'd be great for anybody, but for this team especially, like he's just a perfect fit because he's also another guy who can right. do different things for you. He's not going to clash against any of the players on the team. It seems like that seems like that's what Travis Schlank has tried to build here: a, a team that's malleable that can play different roles and take on different shapes depending on what they need to do to win games right. and long term. Um, I think that's probably going to be the mindset heading into the draft, too. Finding a guy who can do different things for your team. Herter
1: was such a smart pickup, and it, it kind of goes back to our draft talk. He's one of those guys who, you know, I he was on my radar, obviously, because he was a great shooter. But, you know, editing your draft guide last year, I was just like, there are so many, like, other skills. And I went back to the film, and I was watching it. And I was just like, there's just so many other skills that he has that are, like, NBA caliber. And by the time, you know, I was done watching the tape, I was just like, this guy should be in the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's he doing was, good. He, he rose so quickly from a, being a second-round kind of forgotten prospect to getting drafted, what, 19th, was it? Yeah, 19th, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 19 was the lucky number for the Hawks the year before, too, with John Collins. And
0: who will be that guy this year? We shall see. Maybe it'll be May Maybe Clark rises not just the 19th, but into the lottery. Um, there could be a number of guys that are candidates. Like, this draft overall... It's, it's top-heavy, but I think there are a lot of good role players to be found. Um, Kevin Herter-esque players um, that are going to rise up the rankings through workouts and all that. that are And you're going to look back at this draft a couple years from now and be like, oh, a lot of good winning role players. We're taking 25th, oh. taking 40th,
1: by, taking 8th. By, by the way, Herter had like one of the most impressive <laughs> shooting performances at the pre-draft combine uh, in recent memory, and he did it on a broken hand. Mm, unreal. Unreal. He's, the legend grows. <laughs> he,
0: he, he has a chance to be a really good player for 10-plus years in the NBA, which is more than you can say than most young players. Uh, this weekend, there's two big games. On Saturday night, the Thunder face the Warriors. We talked about OKC earlier, and there's not a lot else to say about Golden State at this point. Um, but that's going to be an awesome game. Looking forward to that. And then on Sunday, we get the Sixers and the Bucks, Oof. And this is the first time those teams have played each other since October. Which is it's so funny looking back at that box score, dude. Yeah,
1: who, who cares? Yeah,
0: it's irrelevant. Like, L- list the players who the, who played that game. Sixer starting five. That game was Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Bob Covington, Dario Saric, and Markel Fultz. Ooh. Off the bench, they had Mike Muscala, Amir Johnson, Landry Shamet, Furkan Korkmaz, JJ Redick, and TJ McConnell. McConnell and Redick are the only guys off the bench that play now. Like, this is a drastically different team that. That that team back then, those games are relevant. Right. Just, they do not matter one bit. So I'm I'm looking forward to the opportunity to just assess this healthy Sixers team against the best team in the East. Potential second-round series? Second round, who knows? Could could end up being a, a Eastern Conference Finals series as well, depending on how the series shakes out. Uh, one thing we've seen in recent weeks against the Bucs is they've had Larger players defending Giannis. Um, DeAndre Ayton is, uh, recently did a really nice job containing Giannis, pre- preventing him from having an explosive game. Um, I do wonder, who does Philadelphia have that as a primary defender against the Milwaukee Bucks? Because I, I think conventional wisdom would say Ben Simmons, um, but not necessarily because they have a lot of size aside from Giannis. So that you might put him on somebody else and
1: have him roaming off Hall, Right. I mean, you're definitely going to have some moments, some some key possessions where you put Embiid on him. But I don't think Embiid can be the, you know, the primary defender. You, you kind of want to manage his load in-game. Um, and it really is kind of baffling how big Giannis actually is. So I was watching the Pelicans-Bucks game earlier this week with Justin Verrier in the office. And Davis is noticeably smaller than Giannis. Height-wise, size-wise, like Giannis kind of dwarfed him a little bit. And so you put Simmons on him, I don't think he's big enough.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I, I don't either, especially for full duration of the game. You, you need to have multiple guys on him, really. I think you got to throw different looks at Giannis if you're the Sixers. Because with your different sized players, you can do that. Like, they, they're a big team. Um, you, th- I think really the key is like just don't let JJ Redick on him. Yeah. Oh, like on switches. Like other than that, I think with your size, whether it's Butler, whether it's Simmons, whether it's Embiid, whether it's Tobias Harris, I'm interested you, in you Butler.
1: You know, a, a kind of low leverage guy. Those are the types of um, defenders who gave KD a lot of trouble earlier in his career. So you know that could be a primary look that they they throw out there. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's any one guy who's going to be able to guard Giannis? I'm looking forward to that one, Danny. Mm-hmm.
0: That's all we have time for. But you have any good plans for the weekend? Going to be eating anywhere? Anywhere good this weekend? Uh, What's going on for you, Danny? I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna let the let the wind take me where it may.
0: I think right after this, finishing up the the first round of draft guide profiles. Uh, Later today, going to Culver City. Going to explore that area. There it is. hang hang out with my friend from back home. Looking forward to that, and it'll be good. Other than that, going to watch basketball, NBA, and college. It'll be a great weekend. Happy Selection Sunday. Yes, can't wait for that. We'll be back next Friday with Charks. Uh, We're looking forward to having Charks back on for now. Thanks, Danny. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Runger NBA Show. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Tell your friends about the show. Tell everybody you know. Uh, And make sure to tweet at us uh, about that Nikola Jokic nickname as well. Special shout-out to Bobby Wagner for producing the podcast. Thank you again for listening. Have a beautiful weekend.